0: Well, why don't we uh, turn in our Bibles to Psalm 35. As we often do, we're taking a break from our verse-by-verse exposition of the Book of Romans uh, to focus on, ultimately, on the table. And to do that, we're going to be looking, in a a bit anyway, at Psalm 35 starting in verse 1. We're also teeing up today the 40-day fast that we're doing that'll start on Tuesday. In two days, we'll be starting uh, this fast. I've led congregations through these twice before, just two times. Both were 40 days long. Both were with the same church. Both were uh, in the same year, in the year 2001. How many of you remember what happened in 2001? Well, a lot of things happened right in 2001, but the most important event was 9-11. It was our last church before coming here. It was a larger church of about a 1,000 people or so. And it was 11 years ago, almost to this very day, interestingly, that we began our first 40-day fast together as a uh, congregation. And just like the one we're about to launch, uh, that one uh, led up to Easter, the Easter of 2001. Of course, we had no idea what was coming We had no idea that 9 11 was coming just a few months later. But I did know deep in my spirit that it was time to get serious. It was time to get serious about the spiritual forces of darkness that were uh, amassing all around us at that very time. Everyone thought we were out of the woods. I don't know if you remember back then. Y2K proved to be like a total non event, right? And so we were on with our life, on with eating, drinking, and making merry. Um, But but something was stirring. Storm clouds were gathering in the heavenlies, though not many saw it. And so as a body, uh, starting 40 days before Easter of 2001, we rose up against the powers of darkness, just like we're doing right now. And under it all, we were shodding our feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, just like we're doing here, with a view to praying and fasting for someone that we could invite to the, uh, the, uh, uh, to the Easter service. Well, needless to say, something was stirring. Five months later came 9-11, and I was so glad that we had prepared ourselves uh, as a body. You see, the fast did not keep something bad from happening, Right? God's agenda is not always our agenda. But we were well prepared for what did happen. And it was so obvious what we needed to do. And so 5 days after 9/11 on the first Sunday after 9/11 on September 16th, 2001, I called for a second day, a second 40-day fast. One that began the very next day, Monday, September 17th. We already had good practice five months before, and we had one purpose, and that was to repent. We had one purpose. Among other things, I read what Reverend Steve Shischel had said, a pastor at a church that was near Ground Zero. He said, if if the destruction of the World Trade Center in a flash, and the twinkling of an eye, did not humble us, if the closing of the stock markets, the shutting down of airlines, financial losses in the billions, the loss of jobs, the disruption of an entire economy, if these things did not humble us, I shudder to think of what might be needed to make our stiff necks supple. Christians, let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker. And so, as a congregation, we kneeled before the Lord, our God, our Maker. I told our congregation that 9-11 was a shot across the bow, and that if we did not repent, God would bring down what the World Trade Center stood for, and that is our economy, the financial system. We all signed up on the same kind of sheet you're signing up for. This is the very one that they used. As I said, it was a much larger church. It was over 300 that signed up for 40 days. Not many did this in America back then. But there were a few churches that did. Some left our church because of my call to repentance. Some Uh, got up and left the sanctuary as I was preaching because of that call. And I said, so be it. I believe it was in good part because of those who didn't leave the auditorium that day, because of that faithful remnant, because of the faithful few across the land who humbled themselves with fasting. I believe uh, that that was why, fundamentally, there's not been a terrorist incident since. Like some of you, many of them didn't fully understand what they were doing in fasting, but still their fasting had a powerful impact. It's like Chuck Colson said soon after the 9-11 attacks. He said, we will not prevail against terrorism no matter how good our armed forces are. We will prevail only if God in His mercy decides to forgive us. To heal our land and to give America another chance. Well, to make a long story short, he gave America another chance. But America has not repented as a nation. In fact, we have done just the opposite. And so, for the most part, has the church. Far from being repentant, we have become so self-righteously indignant. We threw money at the problem, billions and billions and billions of dollars. It was a power play. We threw power and anger and wounded pride at the problem and everything but repentance. We licked our wounds and we gnashed our teeth. And now, what the World Trade Center stood for, the global financial system, is on the verge of collapse. It was last fall, on the 10th anniversary of 9-11, that I began another 40-day fast. What launched it, as many of you know, was the question of whether it was time for Eric Robertson to find another position. I needed to hear from God. But then (laughs) Julie wondered whether it might be good to start, you know, after our son Jordan's wedding. (laughs) So, you know, I wouldn't be fasting during the rehearsal dinner, for instance. You know, not to mention the, the reception and all the rest. And, of course, she was right. And so I decided to wait a, a week and a half after I decided to do the fast until the day after the wedding. And I looked at the calendar. And I thought, isn't that interesting? The wedding was Saturday, September 10th, 2011, The day after happened to be Sunday, September 11th, 2011, the 10th anniversary of 9-11. And as is often the case with a longer fast, I came to see, and I believe we're going to come to see it too as a congregation, that there were many reasons I was doing it, which I had no idea of when I first began. But he made it clear that this time it would be different This time it was not to repent like it was ten years before with our last congregation because, and who knows, but it seems we're long past that. We've had our chance. God had mercy. There was just this stunning silence, not another terrorist incident. God had mercy. But our depravity has only increased exponentially. Just like Frank read from Leviticus, and thank you, Frank, for reading that. If you don't obey me, I quote, I will act with wrathful hostility against you. I had no idea Frank was going to read that today. And so under it all, my last fast, last fall, was to prepare myself as your pastor for the dark days that are coming. And now it's your turn. Again, just as five months before 9-11, 11 years ago, almost to this day, I invited our congregation to get ready through 40 days of prayer and fasting leading up to Easter. It's time to do it again. God may yet have mercy, but I don't think it's likely anyway. It's time to prepare ourselves. And how should we do that? Well, we've been talking about this for the last three weeks, and I'd urge you to listen to the podcasts of the sermons along with the podcast of the sermon from way back on uh, October 9th of last year where I talked a lot about fasting. But here's how we will get ready today here on the eve of our fast or two eves before our fast. Here's how we'll prepare the Bride of Christ for this fast. I don't know if you've ever been involved in a deliverance, otherwise known as as an exorcism. Having been born and raised on the mission field, it was a part of my early upbringing. It was just very normal uh, over there. But if you've been involved in an exorcism, you might know that Psalm 35, for some reason, and I'm not sure why, but Psalm 35, when you read it out loud, it sends the demons up the wall. It fends them off. It puts them on notice, as it will today, that the army of God is ready to rise up. So on this Sunday before we start fasting, which will begin this coming Tuesday again, we're going to kind of secure our perimeters as a body, which you need to do in any uh, military operation. And we're going to be doing it by, uh, by, by, by putting a stake in the ground, the sword of his word, Excalibur. I'll put, it'll put the powers of darkness on notice. It'll drive them away from this body publicly, as we do every week when we teach through the Word of God verse by verse. But this time it'll happen in a special way. And then for the next 40 days, uh, for the next 40 days, uh, we're going to hold them at bay by the spiritual warfare prayer that I've been, uh, we've been talking about. It's Psalm 35. And it's so powerful, in part anyway, because it's the Word and its prayer. It's the Word of God and a prayer of David. And so as I speak it, I'd like you, as you feel led, to be praying it silently uh, with me. And to make it your prayer too. David's talking about his enemies here. And when he, whenever he, as I uh, speak it, whenever he talks about them doing something or saying something against him, think about Satan and his demonic powers, which are just as much our enemies, which are just as much arrayed against us as David David's enemies were arrayed against him. Back then, Paul says we struggle not against flesh and blood, but against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. And so Psalm 35 is a prayer ultimately against Satan and his demons. So let's secure our perimeter. Let's put them on notice by lifting the sword and by inviting the Lord of hosts to fight for us, like David does in Psalm 35, starting in verse 1. I don't know how many times I've woken up in the middle of the night in a cold sweat, praying this prayer. Contend, O Lord, against those who contend with me. Fight against those who fight against me. Take hold of buckler and shield and rise up for my help. Draw also the spear and the battle axe to meet those who pursue me. Say to my soul, I am your salvation. Let those be ashamed and dishonored who seek my life. Let those be turned back and humiliated who devise evil against me. Let them be like chaff and the wind with the angel of the Lord driving them on. Let their way be dark and slippery with the angel of the Lord pursuing them. For without cause they hid their net for me. Without cause they dug a pit for my soul. Let destruction come upon them unawares. And let the net which he hid catch himself. In that very destruction let him fall. And my soul shall rejoice in the Lord. It shall exult in his salvation. All my bones will say, Lord, who is like thee, who delivers the afflicted from him who is too strong for him, and the afflicted and the needy from him who robs him. Malicious witnesses rise up. They ask me of things that I do not know. They repay me evil for good to the bereavement of my soul. But as for me, when they were sick, my clothing was sackcloth. I humbled my soul with fasting, and my prayer kept returning to my bosom. I went about as though it were a friend or a brother. I bowed down mourning as one who sorrows for a mother. But at my stumbling, they rejoiced and gathered themselves together. The smiters whom I did not know gathered together against me. They slandered me without ceasing. Like godless gestures at a feast, they gnashed at me with our teeth. O Lord, how long wilt thou look on? Rescue my soul from their ravages, my only life from the lions. I will give thee thanks in the great congregation. I will praise thee among a mighty throng. Do not let those who are wrongfully my enemies rejoice over me. Neither let those who hate me without cause wink maliciously. For they do not speak peace, but they devise deceitful words against those that are quiet in the land. And they opened their mouth wide against me. They said, Aha! Aha! Our eyes have seen it. You have seen it, O Lord. Do not be silent. O Lord my God, do not be far from me. Stir up thyself and awake to my right and to my cause, my God and my Lord. Judge me, O Lord my God, according to your righteousness. And do not let them rejoice over me. Do not let them say in their heart, Aha! our desire. Do not let them say, We have swallowed him up. Let those be ashamed and humiliated altogether who rejoice at my distress. Let them be clothed with shame and dishonor who magnify themselves against me. Let them shout for joy and rejoice who favor my vindication. And let them say continually, the Lord be magnified who delights in the prosperity of his servant. And my tongue shall declare thy righteousness and thy praise all day long. And after I quote that in the middle of the night, I think the prince of darkness grim, we tremble not for him, his rage we can endure. Behold, his doom is sure. One little word shall fell him. Question Why can we be so confident that he's our salvation? That one little word shall fell him? That he is our salvation? against all the forces of darkness. Answer, is because of the blood. Because of what we're going to be celebrating today. You see, that's the other thing. That is the other thing that drives them crazy. If you've ever been involved in a a deliverance ministry, it's, it's literally like fingernails on a chalkboard when you talk about the blood of Christ. And so the second way that we're going to secure our perimeter today, is through the blood, which we, which we celebrate most powerfully, most memorably, of course, through communion. It says in Revelation chapter 12, That when the great dragon was thrown down to the earth, the serpent of old, who is called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world, when the accuser of the brethren has been thrown down, who accuses them before our God day and night, they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb. By the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, interestingly, just like by the word of our testimony, we're going to be aggressive and active and go out there and win people. uh, pray and fast for people to come to the Easter service. By the blood of the Lamb and by the offensive word of their testimony. So the question is this, have you ever felt the power of the blood? Well, you did when you were saved at least you experience the impact of that power. But even after being saved, we are, are, are sitting ducks without it. The Apostle Paul said that we've been justified through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus, whom God displayed publicly as a propitiation in His blood. Remember that? We studied it long ago. In his blood. That is, God's wrath, he's saying, has been, and the big word that he uses is propitiated, expiated, which means God's wrath has been appeased. It is now like totally expired. His wrath against us, the only human problem that ever mattered, has been solved. Man's first need, said Martin Luther, is to find a gracious God. Under Maslow's hierarchy of needs, remember learning about that in high school or college, more fundamental than any of them is to find a gracious God. And now we have peace with God through the blood of Christ, and that's all that matters, no matter what happens Yet we get worried and bothered by so many things that by comparison are so trivial. And if that's you, you've not realized the power of the blood. The Bible says that there is no peace for the wicked, that the wicked are like a tossing sea, but the righteous have an everlasting foundation. And yet, so often, even for those of us who are righteous in Christ, it feels like the foundation is falling out from underneath us, that we're on sinking sand, that all is lost. And if that's you, if you don't have peace through it all, that's like we sing, like a river glorious over all victorious, you've not realized the power of the blood. The Bible says that the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. 1 John 1.7 And yet so many Christians who have confessed their sins still feel condemned. And they're plagued with guilt that generalizes into anger and anxiety and paranoia. I talk with him in my office many times. The evil one harpoons their hearts with guilt because they view God as this perpetually you know, peeved deity running around with a stick in his hand, with a nail at the end, ready to whack us when we get slightly out of hand. If that's you, you've not realized the power of the blood. We're told in Hebrews 9.14 that the blood of Christ purges our conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Dead works. And yet dead works keep cropping up. We try to impress Him. We try to impress others by what we do. We try to appease God sometimes by what we do. We perform for Him. We, We do it maybe to be seen of men through dead works rather than having everything founded by simple faith on the finished work of Christ. It's like one man said, your religion is do, do, do. My religion under it all is done, done, done. By comparison to what he has done, our work is rest. That's the teaching of Hebrews. But if that's you, if your religion is do, 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 you've not realized the sufficiency of his work, the power of the blood. Have you? Will you? Remember the hymn, Are you walking daily by the Savior's side? Do you rest each moment in the crucified? There's power, power in the blood. Power, power. Wonder-working power in the precious blood of the Lamb. R.L. Torrey put it this way in his classic work, How to Obtain Fullness of Power. Do you fully appreciate the blood of Christ? Have you let it have the power that it ought to have? There are some today who are trying to devise a theology that leaves out the blood of Christ. Many seeker-sensitive churches no longer have crosses because it's an offense. They've emasculated our faith. But Christianity, without atoning blood... Is a Christianity without mercy for the sinner, without settled peace for the conscience, without genuine forgiveness, without justification, without cleansing, without boldness in approaching God, without power. It is not Christianity, but the devil's own counterfeit. If we desire fullness of power in Christian life and service, we must know the power of the blood of Christ, for it is that which brings us pardon, justification, and boldness in our approach to God. We cannot experience the power of the Spirit until we know the power of the blood. Do you appreciate the blood of Christ? Have you let it have the power in your life that it ought to have? That's fundamental of what we need to prepare ourselves for whatever happens. One way to dispel the doubts, not to mention the demons, is through prayer. Which, Paul says, is the last and the most important piece of armor that we have at our disposal. Praying at all times in the Spirit, he says. And one way to bring the power of the blood into reality in your feelings And in your heart is through prayer. One of the most powerful weapons are the word and prayer based on the blood of Christ. The very weapons that we've been wielding today. And there's another prayer that he hates. One that Julie and I have been using for decades. One that makes them crazy. It's called, again, the Warfare Prayer. We've talked about this several times over uh, the last weeks. It's the one that you're going to be praying through each of the meals that you sign, sign up to fast. Every meal that we fast. And today, I'd like to close by praying it publicly. It's based on the power of the blood. It celebrates all that Christ's blood. One for us, and I'd like you to pray it with me as you feel led. You'll need to really focus as you pray this in private because it's a longer prayer, right? Some of you are nodding, yeah, it's a longer prayer. And so, we're going to practice today, and not just practice, we're going to lift it up as a body to secure our perimeters. So, um, why don't we all stand? Maybe that'll keep us awake. (laughs) Pray with me silently as I pray out loud. I'll be using the plural. I'll be talking about we here, though it says I, uh, because today we'll be praying it to prepare the whole body. Pray with me, Heavenly Father. We bow and worship and praise before you. We cover ourselves with the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ as our protection. We surrender ourselves completely and unreservedly in every area of our lives to you. We take a stand against all the workings of Satan that would hinder us in our prayer life. We address ourselves only to the true and living God and refuse any involvement of Satan in our prayer. Satan, we command you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to leave our presence with all your demons. We bring the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ between us. Heavenly Father, we worship you and give you praise. We recognize that you are worthy to receive all glory and honor and praise. We renew our allegiance to you and pray that the blessed Holy Spirit would enable us in this time of prayer. We're thankful, Heavenly Father, that you have loved us from past eternity and that you sent the Lord Jesus Christ into the world to die as our substitute. We're thankful that the Lord Jesus Christ came as our representative and that through him you have completely forgiven us. You have adopted us into your family. You have assumed all responsibility for us. You have given us eternal life. You have given us the perfect Righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ, so that we are now justified. We are thankful that in Him you have made us complete and that you have offered yourself to us to be our daily help and strength. Heavenly Father, open our eyes that we might see how great you are and how complete your provision is for this day. We are thankful that the victory the Lord Jesus Christ won for us on the cross and in his resurrection has been given to us and that we are seated with the Lord Jesus Christ in the heavenlies. We take our place with him in the heavenlies and recognize by faith that all wicked spirits and Satan himself are under our feet. We declare, therefore, that Satan and his wicked spirits are subject to us in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're thankful for the armor you've provided. We put on the girdle of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the sandals of peace, and the helmet of salvation. We lift up the shield of faith against all the fiery darts of the enemy, and we take in our hand the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. We choose to use your Word against all the forces of evil in our lives. We put on this armor and live and pray in complete dependence upon you, blessed Holy Spirit. We are grateful, Heavenly Father, that the Lord Jesus Christ spoiled all principalities and powers and made a show of them openly and triumphed over them in himself. We claim all that victory for our lives today. We reject all the insinuations and accusations and the temptations of Satan. We affirm that the word of God is true, and we choose to live in light of God's word. We choose, Heavenly Father, to live in obedience to You and in fellowship with Yourself. Open our eyes and show us the area of our lives that do not please You. Work in us to cleanse us from all ground that would give Satan a foothold against us. We do in every way stand into all it means to be Your adopted children, and we welcome all the ministry of the Holy Spirit. By faith and independence upon You, we put off the fleshly works of the old man and stand into all the victory of the crucifixion where the Lord Jesus Christ provided cleansing from the old nature. We put on the new man and stand into all the victory of the resurrection and the provision he has made for us to live above sin. Therefore, today, we put off all forms of selfishness and put on the new nature with its love. We put off all forms of fear and put on the new nature with its courage. We put off all forms of weakness, and put on the new nature with its strength. We put off all forms of lust, and put on the new nature with its righteousness, purity, and honesty. We are trusting you to show us how to make this practical in our daily lives. In every way we stand into the victory of the ascension and glorification of the Lord Jesus Christ, whereby all the principalities and powers were made subject to Him. We claim, therefore, in Christ ourselves as victorious with Him over all the enemies of our soul. Blessed Holy Spirit, we pray that You would fill us, come into our lives, break down every idol, and cast out... Every foe. Again, we cover ourselves with the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ and pray that you, blessed Holy Spirit, would bring all the work of the crucifixion, all the work of the resurrection, all the work of the glorification, and all the work of Pentecost into our lives today. We surrender ourselves to you. We refuse to be discouraged. You are the God of all hope. You have proven your power by resurrecting Jesus Christ from the dead. And we claim in every way this victory over all satanic forces in our lives. We pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ with thanksgiving. Amen. You can be seated. And we'll have the servers come forward. all of that was based on the what they call the efficacy the power of the blood remember the hymn the blood of jesus shed for me way back on calvary the blood that gives me strength from day to day it shall never lose its power it soothes my doubts and calms my fears and it dries all my tears The blood that gives me strength from day to day will never lose its power. The power that we celebrate most memorably and most powerfully each month, of course, at the communion table. It's most powerful in those who are most sorrowful, who are most broken for uh, their sins. His people are not doing it much out there but at least we can be confessing our sins in here as we prepare ourselves. So now's the time to do that. Father, I pray that as we take into our hands what stands for the broken body of Christ, broken because of our sins, that the feel of this symbol against our body would stir our spirits and break our hearts to prepare us to really appreciate the blood that was shed. Help us now by the power of your Spirit to confess our sins, to come clean. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
1: I know that I have found Through all the troubles that surround
0: First John 1.9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And why is that? First John 1.7, for the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. Father, we do pray that as we take this into us, that it would stir our spirits and your spirit, and that you would make us clean as a body so that the devil wouldn't have anything in us, so that your spirit wouldn't be quenched, so that we could go out of here, our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, in power. We commit what we're about to to, to do to you to that end. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Steve. is the everlasting God. So these things never change. We are the ones who change. And he's still calling, would you be free from the burden of sin? There's power in the blood. Would you or evil of victory win? There's wonder-working power in the blood. And to that end, the Apostle Paul says, in the same way he took the cup also after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Well, there's still time to sign up for the fast. I'm rejoicing that every one of those 120 meals are filled several times over, so way to go. If you've not yet done it or if you have questions, I'll be over there at the welcome table. You can pick up the resource materials, the Spiritual Warfare Prayer, uh, which I read along with the classic God's Chosen Fast, which is a must-read. Before you do it, it'll give you the biblical basis and some practical instruction. Remember, we're fasting for three things starting next Tuesday. One... Uh, to to win the victory over the spiritual forces that are arrayed against us, which is the issue far more than anything economic or political through the spiritual warfare prayer. Second, uh, we're uh, praying for an unsaved friend or an unsaved acquaintance that God praying for their soul, fasting for their soul, that God would bring them to the Easter service. And then third, an area in your life or in the life of a loved one where you really need a breakthrough where it's now like a concrete wall and you've tried to blast through, you've tried to climb over, dig under, get around to the left or the right, and nothing works. Often that's a sign that it's time to fast. Not that he'll give you the kind of breakthrough you were looking for. Sometimes he does, sometimes he doesn't. But that's how you unleash God's power into that situation and it will eventually have an impact. So for those three things, we're going to be fasting together as a congregation. And if if you've not already, I'd encourage you to join us. Why don't we stand together? In light of this, you can go into the world in peace. Your fundamental need has been satisfied. Have courage. Hold on to what is good. Honor all men. Strengthen the faint-hearted. Support the weak. Help the suffering and share the gospel. Love and serve the Lord in the power of the Holy Spirit. And may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with us and through us all this week. Amen and amen. Thanks for coming. Have a great week.